Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 77. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, you're going to meet my friend and colleague, Pat Masseau, CEO of Wealthy Women Leaders. Pat is amazing, and I wanted you to meet her because she's really overcome adversity. For people who want to be entrepreneurs or who are entrepreneurs, I thought it would be great for you to hear someone who has really overcome some difficult things in life to get her business started and super successful. Some of the things she covers are the number one habit of successful entrepreneurs, four major barriers holding people back from making money, and how to create the lifestyle that supports your business. An interesting side note is that Pat used to work for the Pacific Institute, who was founded by the late, great Lou Tice. When I was young and I was reading Think and Grow Rich and doing some mindset work and reading lots of books, someone once handed me a set of tapes from the Pacific Institute, which was all about how to think and how to visualize and really how to use your mind and sort of a guide to how your mind and your brain works. So it was so cool talking to Pat about mindset things because we were on the same page and had actually the same training at some point. So that was really fun too. I know you're gonna enjoy this interview. Without further ado, here's Pat. I'm so excited to have Pat Monsieur, my friend and colleague on the show today. Pat is the CEO of Wealthy Women Leaders. She's been a tremendous success in her own life, an inspiration to me, and she's talking to us today from Toronto, Canada. So welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks, Linda. Happy to be here. I feel like it's a connection to sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are having overly warm heat here. It's been in the 90s, which has been crazy. The country's been (laughs) under ice and snow, so I feel a little bad uh, for people complaining about any heat here. Well, don't, because you know I cannot handle 90 degrees anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> it's even hard for me to handle, but I know a lot of people are freezing out there. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, Pat, tell us about your your story, what you're doing now, how you got there. You're such a successful entrepreneur. You have an amazing story. I know it's going to inspire a lot of people, and I love your message. So tell everyone about how you started your business and where it all came from. Uh, thanks, Linda. I love sharing the story, too, because, you know, I hear from people that I'm becoming the poster child for baby boomers in that hearing my story lets them know it's never too late. And, quite frankly, if I can accomplish what I've done, and I am no extraordinary person, I'm an ordinary woman doing what I'm doing, then it gives hope to other people. So let me just give you the brief overview of my story uh, I'm old, and I've been around, so it it could be a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. So I was living in Western Canada for quite a number of years. I'm from the East originally, but I was living in Western Canada, and I have had a very good life. You know, I, you both 
both you and I have heard stories of people who have had challenges, whether health, family, financial, whatever. I did not have a life like that. It was all good, really good. But if you're familiar with the Charlie Brown comics, there's a great cloud that hangs over one of the characters. And so that cloud moved on into my life. At a later stage, I was married, had two fabulous stepchildren, the best in-laws in the world, loved the work I was doing. I had a background in human resources, training and development, sales and marketing. And you know, life was going along beautifully. And then I got approached by an organization out of Seattle, Washington, called the Pacific Institute. And I know you and I have a connection with that. And I had the blessing and the opportunity to work for Lou Tice and the Pacific Institute for a 10-year period directly. I was representing the programs in Canada and traveling North America for them. And for those who are not familiar with it, the Pacific Institute is a private international education institute, and the programs that they offer are focused on critical thinking skills and change management techniques. So with my HR background, I had a real appetite for hopping right in there and learning everything I could and taking those programs out to market. What happened, Linda, is that as I was growing as a person in my potential, in my dreams, my husband, who was 10 years older than me, was focusing on retirement and becoming quite the recluse. And in fact, I hadn't realized this before, but I think because I was hanging around such a positive environment, it was becoming glaringly evident that he was quite negative. So I'd be out doing some really great work and helping people reach their dreams and giving them the techniques to fulfill their potential, and I'd go home to a negative environment. You know, comments like, who do you think you are? And you're not making enough money, and it was just constant. And I reached a point where, as I said, that cloud came in where my father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. My mother-in-law had Alzheimer's disease, and I was caring for her. My best friend had breast cancer. Our children, expecting their first uh, babies, gave birth prematurely to twins, one of whom passed away. I mean, it was just a tough time, just one hit, one hit after another. So, yeah, it was hard. Terrible. It was hard, but you know, you know as well as I do with the the mindset techniques from the Pacific Institute, I have a lot of resiliency and flexibility and the ability to get through the rain and see the sun on the other side. And that's the way I was living my life. And it got to a point where because there were so many people at a certain point in time who needed me and I wanted to be there for them, my soul was dying in my own life, my own personal situation. So I made the decision one day that I was just going to leave. And what triggered that especially was I had lunch with my best friend. It was one of the last outings for her. She took her wig off. She had no hair because of chemo. And she looked at me and she said, "Oh, well, I'm the one who's dying. When are you going to start living? Wow. Yeah, that that hit me right, and she intended it to hit me right between the eyes because she knew my marital situation, and that did it. So I went home, and you know, I gave it a lot of thought, and I walked out of the marriage. I said, "That's it. Uh, I need better, want better, deserve better," 
and I'm going to create better. So after my father-in-law died, my mother-in-law died, uh, my daughter-in-law was in a better situation with the surviving child, and so on. My marriage died. I would not let my soul die to the utmost extent. So I made the decision to move across the country, start a new life, and my 85-year-old mother lived on this side of the country, and I wanted to reconnect with her. We had been estranged for 10 years because she did not approve of or support my marital negative situation. So I reconnected with her. That was the biggest blessing of all because we had a few good years together here before she passed. And so I came to this city not knowing anybody, no business, no contacts, no clients, no money, but I had strong mindset skills. And that's why now as a business coach, that's my area of expertise because I know that of which I speak. So I launched the coaching and speaking business here. I won't say it's been easy. The first year was the loneliest, the hardest, the toughest, but I had strong belief in myself, and I know how to get out there and make things happen, and quite frankly, I was hungrier than most entrepreneurs are these days, and so when you want to put food in your fridge, you get up and go make it happen. So in five years, that's what I did. So I started all over, and at 55, just pulled it together, took the business from zero to half a million, and here I am today, Linda. Wow, that is an amazing story. And for our listeners, I know it's going to be so inspirational because hardship like that, dealing with death and friends yeah. dying and marriages ending and all of that stress and bad things happen to good people. And you're just a testament to moving from that. And I just you know, applaud you for taking those steps and advocating for yourself when no one else was there to advocate for you, which sometimes we have to yeah. do. And yeah. I also want to say that it's such a small world that we have that connection to the Pacific Institute mm-hmm. because I so respect that company. And Lou Tice, the late founder of the Pacific Institute, was just an amazing man who somehow, when I was young, I got a set of his audio tapes and they were more than positive thinking. They were describing how the brain works and yeah. just how to visualize your future and your dreams. And it was another one of those, you know, getting thinking grow rich when I was 10 years old and reading that. It was another thing like that that was so powerful in my young hands. I think I yeah. was in my 20s when I got the Pacific Institute tapes. But they really made an impression on me. I remember it was around my college years, so a little younger than 20 maybe. But what an incredible company to work for and to learn from. And I know that you got great skills there that would take you forward and lead you that you could now build on with your own personality and own skills and make this a great company for yourself. And you've done so many fabulous things, won all these awards. Every time I turn around, you're winning another award, all these (laughs) TV awards across Canada. I mean... Tell us about some of the awards that you won. Can you brag on yourself just a little bit? I'm happy to do that, and I'll tell you why, Linda. Listen, I grew up French-Canadian Catholic, so it's not my conditioning to be bragging. But here's why I believe it's important. I am out there constantly, first of all, because I have a story and I have a message, and I really do want to bring that message of hope to many people. And I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 
50, whatever stage of life, we hit a wall. And there are times, and usually the milestone birthdays, where we think, is that all there is? Or who am I now? And and so I want to get my message of hope out to people that, listen, at this stage in my life, I've accomplished things that I never even dreamt. I didn't even know existed. Like my opportunity now where I get to travel around the world in a private plane every fall. And for a month, I get to go to 10 different countries and blog the trip. I didn't even know those trips existed. So I am very adamant and intentional on getting the word out that, yes, I have been nominated for and won the Gold Stevie Award for Female Entrepreneur of the Year in Canada. Last year, I won the Gold for Female Executive of the Year in Canada. I've been nominated for the Canadian Woman Entrepreneur of the Year in Canada for the Royal Bank and a number of things like that. I'm very proud of that, and I know that it is inspiring to others to hear about that. It's important to know that your work gets recognition and your achievements are acknowledged and, in fact, it builds my credibility as a professional, as a business coach, not just the tangible bottom line cash flow, money in the bank or the revenues, but the recognition and acknowledgement of what I've done. I want people to know about that so that they can look at me and go, wow, if you can do it, I know I can do it too. Absolutely. And I also love the fact that you were a bit older when you started, and it just shows that age is no limitation. And, you know, I really think that we are truly ageless. It's just our body has its own, you know, its own limitations. But I really believe our soul, our spirit are ageless. And, you know, my mother being 96 and making a contribution well into her 90s has been amazing for me to watch and realize just all that we can accomplish in our life. And, if we don't let age or some concept of what we should be doing at some age really, you know, put us on the shelf. Because I'll tell you, 65, I'm not there yet, but I I have family members who are there, and it's still really young. I mean, there's a lot of things that people can do, and they have 30, 40 years ahead of them still to accomplish things. So for us to think life is over because someone – turns 50, 60, 70. It's just not true. And I I so applaud you for just going full speed ahead after your goals and doing everything that you want to do without any limitation. I just love that. Well, it is a mindset, Linda. It is totally and absolutely a mindset. And you said two things that really um, triggered thoughts for me. One is your mother is very inspiring. And so much the same as me talking about or uh, putting the word out about my awards, every time you post a picture of your mother, and particularly the one I remember a year or two ago when she was dancing, I think it was a video you posted, mm-hmm. that's inspiring. To people like me, you may never even have thought about that, but I see it and I'm inspired by your mother. Secondly, the key point around that is We are the average of the five people we spend time with. And we earn the average of the five people we spend time with. So while I was with my ex-husband, I played small. And the hard part was 
Then I would go into an in-service meeting or a coaching meeting with Lou Tice, who was telling me to play big. Then I'd go back home. And so that was torture. And so we do become and act like the people we surround ourselves with. So I made a conscious choice and a conscious decision to get out of that negative environment and to surround myself with people who support me, who encourage me, who inspire me, like your mother, like you, Linda, like my business coach. I believe every entrepreneur should have a coach and somebody who has walked that path, somebody who has had the results you want, and then get your thinking skills in order. That's critical as if you want to succeed as an entrepreneur. You've got to grow your critical thinking skills, your resiliency, your flexibility, your goal-setting techniques, your positive self-talk, so much around that. I have been blessed with the 10 years with the Institute in that I'm at mastery level with those, and really my results are showing that. That's amazing. And I love talking about mindset because step number one of the six steps to wealth is to have a wealthy mindset. So, Pat, Mm -hmm. can you give us some mindset tips that might be helpful for people with all your experience and your knowledge with Lou Tice and Pacific Institute, what kind of things do you use to help with mindset issues? Well, there's the three primary tools from that I learned from the Institute. One is the power of visualization. The second is the power of affirmations. And then the, it's visualization, affirmations, and goal setting. So first, you want to get a picture in your mind of what do you want your life to look like and feel like. Now, I know there are many people who have heard about and played with the concept of vision boards. And I also know there are many people frustrated with that because they didn't know how to take it the next steps. Just to create a vision board and look at it is not necessarily going to get you where you want to go and grow. So visualization is key. You must have a vision. And to simplify it, just create a vision of what you want today to look like. This is a new habit I started, Linda. There's a fellow out of Vancouver, British Columbia. His name is Darren Jacklin. He writes often on Facebook about his habit of writing out every morning his vision for his day, his vision for an ideal day. I just started doing that. I do the vision board twice a year for the year, but now I also bring it on closer to home and I do it every day. So visualization is a key. Then move it on into the way we think, the way we talk to ourselves, positive self-talk. It is really the way you talk to yourself is how your beliefs are formed. So even when you create a vision board, I've been around people who have looked at it and then said to themselves, but I don't really believe I can make that happen. So you've got to change your beliefs to be in alignment with the vision for your life. The way you change your belief is to keep your self-talk, that inner dialogue, positive, uplifting, and forward-thinking to yourself and to anybody around you. So keep that dialogue positive. Then move it on into goals that have accountability and dates attached to them. Those are the techniques I use every day. That really is my secret sauce for having created the success that I've achieved and what I continue to do. I Listen, I still have a lot to accomplish. People, I have books I want to read, places I want to visit. 
these are the techniques I use. I love that. And, you know, a lot of times I remember I used to think about, oh, I want to get out of corporate someday or I want to do this someday or I had dreams of things I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to live in Palm Desert someday. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, and, and but I wouldn't really go after a lot of those things and wouldn't put deadlines on them. And I know a lot of people do have dreams. They want to write a book or they want to start a business. There's different things they might want to do, but they're having trouble really getting out of the life that they live today and making a transition into something different. So what advice would you have for them who are maybe in a job that they're not crazy about, they want to make a change, they have a goal to make some changes, but they're just not sure of some steps to get them there. Do you have some suggestions for them? Yeah, and typically, Linda, that all boils down to fear and living in the past. And a lot of that is just surrounded by the fact that they don't have a clear vision. My definition of fear is lack of information. That's all it is. When you don't know what you don't know, then we conjure up stuff to worry about and to keep us captive in the current reality when you have a clear vision of what you want and who you want and where you want to be then it's really a matter of starting to do your homework so when you decide for example you want to take a family vacation to disneyland now you've got a clear vision we know that disneyland is in california all right so if i'm in toronto then start thinking about and i send my clients right to the calendar Go right to the calendar because you won't find someday on the calendar. Mm-hmm. You will find a specific day, but not someday. So circle a date where you want to go to California, then start the process of what I call backward goal setting. Once you've set the date, then you will get an idea and start to do your homework. How are you going to get to California? By car, by plane, by train? Once you decide that, how much money do you need? Then you can start to break it down. How much do you need to save every month, every week, every day? So it's having a clear vision first and foremost. And then here's the thing, Linda. Most people will have a vision or a dream and they'll hold it way out there and they'll take a look at it and they'll scare themselves to death and they'll start to back it up based on their current reality, based on their bank account today, based on the people around them today, based on what they know today, what I teach my clients is to hold that vision and that dream and that goal way out there and then become bigger than what scares you. Learn the techniques, get the tools, get the information, and that will get you beyond the fear, and then start to become bigger than what scares you and keep that dream out there and work for it. I'm proof that it can happen. Absolutely you are, and I love that it's, It's that future self-vision and bringing it here today. It's key, absolutely key. And listen, when you're driving a car, people will get in the driver's seat and they'll look forward and look towards where they're going, even if it's half a block to the light or to the stop sign. They're not driving looking in their rearview mirror. But many people are living their life that way because they do not get in the driver's seat, turn the key, and drive their own car. They leave their life up to happenstance, circumstances, and other people around them. That's right. That's right. And the universe will give you whatever you want and believe you can have. So As long as you're clear and put it out there. Yeah. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> so what is the number one habit of successful entrepreneurs? Uh, I believe that that is time and energy management. Because with in the world of entrepreneurship, time is money. And I have seen many entrepreneurs with very sloppy daily habits. So for me, and I learned this from Alex Mendozian, one of the best habits for successful entrepreneurs is to start your day with a revenue-generating activity, something that will focus on bringing in money for your business. So when you do that each and every business day, start your day that way, you can double your revenue in a month. Most entrepreneurs are jumping into email, jumping into social media, and before they know it, half the day is gone, and that is serving the needs of everybody else. When you focus on your own business and your own revenue-generating activities, you will make money, you will grow your business, and then you can live the life of your dreams. So can you give us an example of revenue-generating ideas? Are you talking about you know, cold calling? What exactly are you talking about? Yeah, I don't do cold calling. I don't know that there's a need for it in this day and age of connectivity. I mean, people are so connected on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's like you know people already. I mean, that's how you and I connected. Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up having lunch with you in person. So that wasn't a cold call. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in the cold calls. Some examples of things I do for revenue generating, I'm the networking queen, by the way. So once I'm networking, then I'm very good at follow-up. So if I am out and about or when I'm out and about at an event, in my calendar already right away is the next morning I've already scheduled time, the first hour, to do my follow-up handwritten notes or I'll post a picture on social media and tag somebody or I'll send an email saying, great to meet you, would love to take the relationship a step further, see how I might support you. Or I might be getting on email and doing research or phone calls for speaking engagements. That's revenue generating. I may be calling clients, now depending on time zones, I'll be calling former clients and asking for referrals and or asking how their business is going and is there any way I can support them again in the process. So those kinds of things. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the four major barriers holding people back from making money might be? Well, I actually, I know four for sure from learning at the Pacific Institute. So these are the four major barriers that the research psychologists identified that hold people back not only from making money, but from really living their full potential. So once you set a goal, and only when you set a goal, will the four major barriers come into play. So think about anything that you want in goal format, even if it's something you want for lunch, whatever, what you want to do for the weekend. The four major barriers that will kick in right away are habits. So if you've set a goal to lose weight and you decide today's the day, it's usually Monday, today's the day, I'm going to lose weight today, I'm going to exercise today, you really want then to stop and take a look at your habits. Are your habits moving you toward your goal or taking you away from your goal? It's not that habits are good or bad or right or wrong. Do they support your goal? In many cases, they do not. Let's go back to the revenue generating. Most entrepreneurs will say, yeah, I want to make more money. Well, does your first 
hour of the day activity reflect you making money or not? So there's a habit you may need to adjust. And the same with lifestyle, with eating or exercise. You've made the commitment, you've set the goal. Now, do your eating habits support that? Does your menu planning support that? And so on. So habits is one of the ones. The second one is attitude. And Linda, you and I could have a whole podcast on this because I know for sure there are many women entrepreneurs who have an attitude about making a lot of money. And when I get on stage or I get on interviews and I say very clearly, I intend to and my goal is to make a ton of money and I make no bones about it, that turns a lot of people off because they have an attitude about that. So you've got to explore your attitudes in relation to the goals that you set. The third major barrier, and this is the big one, it's your belief system. Are your beliefs supportive of your goals, your dream, your vision, or not? Do you put something down on a vision board and then talk yourself out of it? I know many people who have talked themselves out of something they really wanted to do because they just didn't really believe in themselves. They didn't believe they could pull it off. They didn't believe the people around them would support them. And so you can change your beliefs by changing your self-talk and by changing the circle of people around you. And the last one is expectations. It's a major barrier. You get what you expect. So if you expect to fail, then sure enough you will. If you expect to have a bad day, sure enough you will. You have the power to turn that around. If you expect not to accomplish your goal, you'll make that happen too. So those are the four major barriers that are an automatic kick-in the minute you set a goal. Now, the other three that I've identified, in addition, and these are in the entrepreneurial world, are ego, emotion, and control. Those three will absolutely get in the way of you achieving the goals that you want until and only when you learn the tools and techniques to manage those and or to get past those. So those are the barriers that exist every day in every way. We, as human beings, need to learn the skills, the critical thinking skills, to manage those. You know, I love that you bring up ego, emotion, and control because mm. those are things that people don't often talk about, but they are I know roadblocks for people. And yeah. I love that, that you do bring it up. I mean, you know, we get so caught up in ego and what is everyone going to think if I do this and what are they going to think if I do that? Be, uh, all, all these thoughts about other people. And when we realize yeah. most people don't really care that much about what we do, they're worried about They don't. Life. You know, they really don't care. And more importantly, it's your life and you need to do what's right for you no matter what anyone else thinks or says. So, um Ego is so important, and emotion being, you know, either our emotions are working for us and we're excited and we're doing things to further perpetuate the direction we want to go, or we're in fear and it's holding us back, as you as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, and, and listen, there's, to... there's one piece I'm always saying to my clients, too. Any decision you're making in your business, I want you to stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, is this an emotion-based decision or is this a business decision? And particularly, I'm coaching a lot of my clients right now around team. 
hiring team, firing team, promoting team, compensating team. And for women entrepreneurs, again, there's a lot of emotion attached to that. And I keep saying to them, stop, think, is your decision emotion-based or business-based? That alone, that habit alone will help you to grow your business. And then the last one, control. We're all control freaks. Mm-hmm. So only when entrepreneurs will get into the habit and the practice of outsourcing and delegating everything but client attraction and client fulfillment. That's all we should be doing. Everything else should be outsourced and delegated. But we're control freaks, so we don't do that. Yeah, I have a good friend who I've been telling that she could grow her business if she got a team. Yep. And it's funny because she, she hear me, she's like, I know you're right, I know you're right, but for whatever reason, she just wasn't doing it. Well, as soon as she went out and found two people to work on her team, she started getting strategy sessions and she started getting clients that just came out of the woodwork. And now <laughs> she's like, well, now I need to hire more people. But now her, her and she's like, thank goodness I have a team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her business is now exploding because she's, no longer trying to control everything and, and keeping it small by controlling it, but allowing yeah. it to expand. Exactly. And we're all like that. I mean, we're all and like see, that. And this is not complicated. Way. Yeah, we have our, know, own, yeah, our own things. We, we like things a certain way and we're comfortable. Yep. It's, that, it's that old comfort zone that Lou Tice used to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it's ego. I can do it better than anybody. Yeah, right. That's right. That's what we think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I love ego, emotion, and control. Those are great. Yeah. And again, Linda, this is not complicated. We make it complicated. It doesn't need to be that way. Mm -hmm. True. You know, Pat, I've talked, uh, I did a podcast about creating a business around your lifestyle, and I know you talk about that too. Yeah. How can people create a lifestyle that is supported by their business? Well, again, and I'm like a broken record, Linda. It comes back to what do you want? What kind of life do you want? And I can speak from the experience now because when I was in my 30s and 40s, listen, I I think I came out of the womb asking questions. I have an appetite for learning. I have an appetite for growth. I'm very much like my mother that way. She was 89 years old, and still she wanted to take one last computer course on uh, computer graphics and imagery. She wanted to know how all that worked. And I'm so much like her. And so it comes back to having a dream for your life. And I love coffee conversations with people about that. What's the dream for your family? What's the dream for your marriage? What's the dream for the ideal weekend? People don't think in those terms right now. Many people are in a robotic state. They're just going from day to day and week to week and month to month, and it all looks the same. It comes down to what do you want it to look like and feel like? So I do create vision boards around my lifestyle. One of the things I did different this year was I hired a personal trainer. I'm very disciplined at working out at home. I'm good that way, but I decided that my lifestyle... I wanted to be more connected with people. I live alone, I travel alone, I work alone, I'm on the phone a lot. I wanted more people connections, so I hired a trainer and I walk 
two blocks to his studio to work out there three times a week when I'm at home. So it comes down to what do you want it to look like? So my lifestyle, I want travel. I have There's a lot of places in the world I want to see. So I have found ways to incorporate my work into my travel. So last December, I went to Italy for a week with my buddy Linda Claire Puig, and we discovered Rome for 10 days before Christmas, and I handled all my coaching calls from there. So most people will run their business 14, 16, 18 hours a day and try and cram family into it or their own life into it. I do the reverse. What do I want my life to look like today, and then where and how do I fit the business into it? you just got to turn the tables, get clear on your vision, get be committed to your vision, and then make it happen. And what's so exciting today with online business is that yeah. you can operate from anywhere in the world. I know that was one of my parameters when I started my business five years ago was I wanted to be able to operate on a cruise ship or operate, you know, traveling like you did or live anywhere in the world I wanted to live and be able to run my business. And yep. You know, with Skype, with phones, with computers, with the Internet, we can do that today. And that's so exciting because people really haven't shifted their mindset, their thoughts, their understanding of business to see all the opportunities that now exist that are completely virtual. You don't have to have that physical storefront. You don't have to have a physical product. There's so many things. There's so much commerce that's happening, and it's 100% virtual. I love it. It totally is. And let me just share a story, too, about how I've incorporated this totally into my life. When I am here in town, I am very committed to my church, to my church family, and to my church buddies. So we have um, our church has what we call home groups or Bible study groups. And I'm in a group with other women, professional women entrepreneurs, and they're my rock when I'm in town. They're not in my business. So we're not always talking about coaching, traveling, speaking, and so on. They're in different walks of life. So they're very important to me in my life. And I made a commitment to this home study group. So we do a study over a period of eight weeks, for example. We'll pick a book or a DVD series. And so here's the other message I want to get out. When you decide you want a certain lifestyle, when you decide you want your business to look or grow a certain way, it comes down to how bad do you want that. I am committed to my home group here so that, for example, when I travel, they Skype me in for the Bible study. So I've been Skyped in from Phoenix, from New York, from Myrtle Beach, from Miami. Uh, They Skype me in. I had a Skype call when I was in Africa last week with them. So that allows me to be connected and stay connected. It comes down to my commitment to making it happen technologically and emotionally, and it supports my lifestyle. So when I come back from a business trip, if I've been away, I've been on the road now since New Year's, I come back and I'm still connected with my friends. So that's the lifestyle I want, and I want it bad enough, I do whatever it takes to make it happen. That is so great, and I can see what you're saying about being a fantastic networker because that comes into play there too. So for people who aren't great networkers, what are some some tips you could give them to stay connected, stay in touch with people, and be better at that? Because I know that's something I really need to improve upon. I'm not, I'm not really good about that. 
So what can we do to be better connectors? Well, first of all, you need to decide. It always comes down to the five W's for me, Linda. Everything, whether it's public speaking, networking, time management, all the, those are the things I've mastered. And so with networking, it comes down to, first of all, why do you want to network? Why are you networking? For me, I just I love being connected with people, unlike my ex-husband who wanted to retreat into his garage and never see people ever again. I'm not like that. I love the fact that everybody has a story. And I love, that's why I have a TV talk show too. I love talking to people. So you need to identify your why. For me, networking here is business-based, period. It's pure. I am intentional about it and I'm clear about it. People know when I'm out and about here locally, I'm out to build my business. So that's my why. Secondly, who do you want to network with? A lot of people are hanging out in the wrong places with the wrong people. I am very clear on who my ideal client is, therefore where they hang out. So I do my homework, I go to those networking events, and I do my homework first to find out what's the event about, who's likely to be there, how often is it held, who has been there before, who can I talk to to find out, go, la, la, la. I do all my homework first. Then I set my goal to meet three people when I go to a networking event of any kind. Linda, it could be a big conference. It can be a small chamber of commerce luncheon. doesn't matter. I goal set to meet three people. And I have goals specifically. It might be a networking event to meet three people for a joint venture opportunity. It might be a conference to meet three people, one of whom will always be the conference organizer, to get a potential speaking engagement. One might be to go to an event where the right people are hanging out to get three connections to sponsor my three-day event in Toronto every year. So I'm very intentional and very specific. So then I'll go to the event, and then I start to, and it's easier going by yourself because then you can kind of move into groups easily. When you go with somebody else, you tend to stick with them. And that's a waste of time because you already know them. (laughs) So I go by myself and then I also set a goal. When I walk in that room, if the energy's not right, the people aren't right, it just doesn't feel right, I leave. I feel no obligation to stick around whatsoever. I'm out of there. But where and when it is right, then I just start to make a move. And if I find somebody I know, I'll start there. And then I'll ask them who they know in the room that, I would like to be introduced to and ask them if they would make that introduction. So I'm very strategic about it. And then after the networking event, I always, 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 always do my follow-up. The money is in the follow-up, and that is where 80% of people drop the ball. So that's a very condensed version, Linda, of my networking techniques. Well, I can see why you're very successful at it. You've got a a methodology, and you're following it, and that's fantastic. Well, listen, that just worked. That's one reason I created a new project in Johannesburg last week because a group of us were going to Africa on a return trip for a certain project and then the rest of the group who had never been to Africa were going on safari and on vacation. I've been on safari four times. I didn't want to do it again. I don't need to do it again. So I started asking questions of the organizer to say, you're from Zimbabwe. You know people there. 
who can you introduce me to so I can line up some speaking opportunities? Breakfast, meetings, lunch meetings, I didn't care. Who do you know? If you will be kind enough to make email introductions for me, I'll take it from there. So she did. She blasted out a lot of emails to introduce me, and I took it from there, which resulted in me going into Johannesburg to give a presentation and be the guest from Canada for the Global Mentoring Walk on International Women's Day. That was huge. I got great press coverage. Interviewed by local TV. It was amazing. And from there was positioned to host a workshop for women entrepreneurs on the Tuesday. And so I was the guest expert at that. And then I decided to maximize it, and I gave away a coaching scholarship to one of the entrepreneurs who applied to be there. So it just grew and grew and grew, but it comes back to networking skills and techniques, knowing what you want, asking for what you want, being specific, being committed, and doing the follow-up. I love it. I love it. Can take you anywhere. (laughs) Absolutely, and will create the life that you want. Yep. Pat, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. How can people contact you, learn more about you? Tell us um, your website information, and if you have anything going on or you're promoting lately, let us know that too. Oh, thanks, Linda. It's been it's always fun chatting with you. I much prefer sitting at that fabulous restaurant with you in Palm <laughs> Springs. <laughs> yes, but this is fun too. Uh, people can go to my website, which is hirepat.com. So we like to keep it simple hirepat.com, you'll get all kinds of information there on what I'm doing, who I'm doing it with, where I'm doing things. And yes, I have a three-day event coming up in Toronto in October. It's my fourth annual Wealth Makers event, and it is targeted for entrepreneurs who want to spend three days with me learning about mindset, marketing, and money. So the dates aren't finalized yet, but it is mid-October in Toronto, and just watch the website for details. And that's it. Wonderful. And I'm sure it's going to be an amazing event, as usual, and you have so much to offer and so much to teach. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Bye now. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.